This episode is brought to you by Get Mobile ID by Get Group North America, the smart choice for ID implementations. Put citizens in control with Get Mobile ID, fully ISO compliant 18013-5, and surpasses AMVA guidelines. Learn more at getgroupna.com. Welcome to AMVACAST, bringing news, information, and expertise to the AMVA community. Here's your host, Ian Grossman. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to the AMVACAST, everyone. Uh, this week, I am pleased to welcome uh, a partner that we haven't had a chance to talk to yet on the AMVACAST, Brandy Nanini, who's the Senior Vice President for Responsibility Initiatives at the Foundation for Advancing Alcohol Responsibility, more commonly referred to through their website name, responsibility.org. Brandy, welcome to the AMVACAST. Thank you, Ian. I'm so pleased to be part of it today. Uh, we've had a great opportunity to start to work with uh, your organization over the past couple of years, but I particularly wanted to talk to you today about a recent report that you did in cooperation with uh, GHSA, a group that we talked to quite a bit on this uh, on this podcast, around uh, cannabis consumers and safe driving responsible use messaging. I think you just recently put out that report, correct? Yes, we released it very recently, just in July, and so um, it's still getting a lot of press at the point at right now. It is so. Well, well, clearly, because I mean, you know, you're on the Amvacast. I mean, if that's not coverage, what is? It, it, it's where you want to be. <laughs> I, I feel, I feel like I've reached the pinnacle now. So. <laughs> So, so let's talk about it. Um, obviously, the last few years, we've seen this explosion in research around cannabis use, especially as it relates with uh, trends in legalization and what it means uh, for impaired driving. Uh, but this was a this effort was a little bit of a different twist as opposed to what a lot of the focus has been, which is how much does cannabis really impair your driving? This was more about how we educate the public. Right. And it's there are two very important conversations because, of course, cannabis does impair driving. Um, and the best the best message is don't drive if you're going to consume cannabis. But that said, um, what we were hearing is a lot of the states as they legalized or even if they hadn't legalized, maybe they the states that that surround them had they were really having trouble with getting the right messages that really resonate and are effective. And so Mm -hmm. that was really the genesis of this report. And so to, to create the report, did you, was it a sense of let's come up with some ideas that we can recommend, or do we want to go out and scan what's working and share that, that information? Tell me kind of that approach to what you, what you wanted to create and how you created it. Absolutely. Well, the Governor's Highway Safety Association is a group that we have worked really closely with um, for probably the last eight years or so. Mm -hmm. And um, we have given a number of different grants to states. Uh, I think we're coming up on almost a million dollars that we've been able to give to the states with GHSA. Um, And so what we wanted to do was really survey them. And so Um, Karen Spratler actually wrote the report for GHSA. We sponsored it. And she really did a deep dive with the states on what has worked and what has not. Um, The report has promising practices. And the recommendations really came organically from her work in um, drafting the report and the interviews that she did. Hmm. When you say, you know, looking to find what worked and what didn't work, what 
What's the definition of what works and what didn't work? Well, I think one example would be um, the the importance of getting the right message. So mm-hmm. one example is, I think it came from Colorado, um, where, and, and they were one of the pioneer states. So this yeah. is not critical at all. I mean, my gosh, when you have to go first, right? Everybody, everybody learns from you. And the Colorado DOT has an, a fantastic public awareness campaign around um, impaired driving. So in their early days, though, um, they really were kind of poking fun of um, cannabis consumers and kind of a Cheech and Chong type approach. And what they realized is today's cannabis consumers don't think it's funny. They don't want to be laughed at. They don't want to be, you know, cartoonish. And so Mm. that's a good example of really striking the right message. I'll give you another example. Um, at responsibility.org, we have an underage drinking prevention program. It's called Ask, Listen, Learn, and it's been around since 2004 and has undergone you know, many different versions where we update it and we evaluate it. Um, we work with teachers to implement it, and the teachers came to us and they said, um, we can't continue to use Ask, Listen, Learn unless it has a cannabis component because we need our... Um, our materials to cover both alcohol and cannabis. So we added a cannabis um, component to the program and we did focus groups with cannabis consumers that had middle school aged kids. And that was where we really found out, um, you know, they don't have a really good sense of how to speak to their kids about something that is legal for them to Mm -hmm. do but not legal for the kids and how do they message that? Um, And so it's really critical to find your target audience via focus group testing um, and and make sure that the the message that you're imparting and spending so much money to launch is gonna resonate with the people that are are needing to hear it. So when you talk about the messages that resonated though, were there, that's interesting. You talked about the challenges of needing to communicate with certain audiences, the idea that, Hey, it's legal for me, but not for you. It's legal for me, but it's not legal for me to do this and then do this other activity. Right. So it's, it's a, it becomes a complicated message because it's, it's okay for me. It's not for you. It's okay for me, but it's not okay for me to do this and then do this other thing. Um, I guess though, on the other hand, you know, as I'm thinking through this, it's really no different than the alcohol conversation. Right. So it's very similar to that, unless you're in a state where it hasn't been legalized. And so mm-hmm. if you go to the report and you look inside the report, there's some basics and some some kind of guiding principles. So for one, um, the campaign should always be factual. They should be factual, research-based, and focus group tested. Um, it's really important not to use scare tactics or humor, and especially not shaming. It needs to be unexaggerated, straightforward, and truthful about the consequences of cannabis use and driving or cannabis um, com- consumption when you're under 21. So um, the, the messages are going to be most effective when they're delivered by trusted messengers who are based in the community, preferably not government representatives. Um, But there is an exception to this. Law enforcement officials who are trained to detect impairment are also good messengers. Um, So, you know, I think regardless of the legal status for cannabis use, the report is really clear 
cannabis impaired driving is illegal in every state and should really be the primary campaign focus when we're talking about impaired driving. Underage use is a little bit different. Like you said, um, you know, that's tricky for a parent who's a consumer. But then again, um, these are messages that hopefully they're having on alcohol as well. Yeah. You know, you mentioned before about the idea that, you know, where it's legal in some states and not legal in other states. Do the campaigns or messaging go into that nuance, the, the educating consumers? Obviously, we live and breathe this, so we understand that some states have legalized and some states have not legalized. Not everybody may appreciate that if they don't travel out of state much or they don't recognize the difference in you know, state law, they might say, oh, well, it's legal now. So I'm here in Colorado, but I'm going to go somewhere else and I'm going to take my stuff with me. Or the idea that, you know, I'm flying from Colorado to Washington. It's legal in both states. Why can't I bring it with me? Well, it's still not legal by federal law, so you can't bring it on the airplane. Get into any of that kind of messaging of helping consumers understand those nuances. Well, the report is pretty much based on impaired driving. So um, the report is pretty clear. You know, there's no there's no place legalizing cannabis doesn't make a difference with regard to driving. It's never safe to consume cannabis and drive. Um, And so that message is pretty clear. But I think you make a good point because, you know, for instance, if I go into California um, and I want to consume cannabis, I better not take it on a plane and, you know, I better not drive. Um, if I'm going back to Virginia where, you know, they don't sell it and it's right. decriminalized, but it, but we're not, co- we're not completely legal yet. Um, yeah, the whole, the whole nuance of decriminalization and not legal is yet a whole other factor, which we won't go into today, but it, it it's just another complicating, when you talk about consumer awareness and consumer understanding. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a complicated piece, but yeah, go ahead. You know, oh, I, was example. Say, I think, I think one place that's going to be really important to focus in on, um, is teens. So, you know, mm-hmm. we have this generation that's grown up with, you know, depending on the state you live in, you, you, since you've known about mm. this, it may have been legal. So, um, you know, depending on on what state you were in, it could have been medical first. And so there really are lots of different layers just depending on what your focus is. For impaired driving, it's pretty simple. Um, And and it's also simple for under 21. You know, for under 21, it's not for you. Your brain's still developing until you are well into adulthood. And the longer the research is in that, the longer you are able to delay that first consumption, exactly like alcohol, Um, the longer you can delay it, the better chance you have at not damaging your brain and not developing a substance use disorder later in life. So those two messages are really sort of guideposts for people to use. Mm -hmm. then, When you're talking about legal consumers, yes, that's where the message gets a little tricky. And um, I think that states that are looking to create campaigns really have to kind of build from those guideposts and then determine what other type of messages they need to focus on as well. So you mentioned a couple things about the message, the learning that the report has around the, the messaging, uh, particularly on factual and exaggerated, stay away from humor. You mentioned the use of law enforcement. And one of the pieces that popped out of me from the report um, had to do with the idea of law enforcement capability. 
can you talk a little bit more about that that piece of where the report gets into focusing on some of that in terms of the education? So the importance of consumers understanding that as opposed to, say, educating the law enforcement community. Right. So I think if you're if you're talking to a consumer, um, you want to start off with that guidepost of it's never safe to consume cannabis and drive. But also, you know, you want to impart that with law enforcement, they don't know when they see a, a dangerous driver. They don't know until they pull that person over what the source of the dangerous driving is. So they're going to make a stop when they see people driving erratically or dangerously. Once that comes into play, there's, you know, an investigative process. And so, um, you know, more and more, and this is one of the things we have worked with GHSA to do, um, to train law enforcement officials to be able to recognize um, the source of the impairment. So, you know, alcohol is well known. You can do a BAC level. The BAC level matches the impairment level for the most part. It's very different with drugs. And so um, there's a process for learning how to detect that. And um, drug recognition experts are sort of the gold standard. And then under that is advanced roadside impairment um, detection, A-ride training. Mm-hmm. Um, and then even with the standardized field sobriety test, there are just nuances like the horizontal gaze nystagmus test is really useful for alcohol, but not so much with cannabis. So that's one clue that they'll find is that you won't have an HGN um, with with cannabis impaired driving unless they've combined it with alcohol. Mm -hmm. So there's little nuances in terms of detection, but the thing to understand is, you know, things like the Labor Day high visibility enforcement mobilization, um, they're gonna be out on the roads and they're gonna be looking for impaired driving. and, And regardless of the source of the impairment, they're able to detect it. Right. That's that's the message we want consumers to hear. So the consumers understand, you know, if you think you're going to get away with it because of why you're impaired, you're still going to get caught. Right. Right. That's the, that's the bottom line. So um, the report's been out for a little while. Tell me about the reaction and feedback that you're hearing from the community. Um, The feedback's been really good. We've had a lot of interest on it. Um, You know, there are pieces of the report that I think may, you know, the messages are what we've focused on so far in this discussion, but there's other recommendations that, you know, I think we've seen that we wouldn't have seen with alcohol back in the day. So one of the big um, pieces was to form partnerships with the cannabis industry. Um, You know, I'm not sure that 15 years ago, you'd see a recommendation that said form partnerships with the alcohol industry. And I think that that's an example of how we're we're growing to understand how to get that message across in the most effective way. So, you know, back to the trusted messenger, if a cannabis consumer hears the cannabis industry imparting these responsibility messages, don't drive high, you're going to get caught, it's very dangerous, then they're going to listen to it more readily than perhaps, you know, if the U.S. Department of Transportation put out a message. Um, hopefully they'd listen to all of it because they're all good messages. But that's one of the recommendations as well. And and, um, I'll tell you, I thought we'd see more pushback from that recommendation, um, but we haven't really seen that. And I'm 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 glad about that, because, I mean, I think the most important goal here is to get to get a culture change, um, especially with the increases that we've seen with impaired driving. It's really important. You know, whatever works is what we should be doing. And so is that recommendation, for example, 
just as some of the messaging recommendations were based on what you see was working and not working, have you seen instances of where the partnerships with the industry is working, or is that more of a, a new idea? Say, hey, let's let's do this and let's do it differently. Where does that recommendation come from? Um, it it actually did come from the state level, and and my colleague Darren Grandel, who I think has been on the Amvacast before, he sure enjoys has. it very much. Yep. Um, he was with the Washington Traffic Safety Commission, yep. um, and I also know that Colorado has also formed similar partnerships. But Darren and also. Um, uh, Glenn's team in, in Colorado have also formed important partnerships with the cannabis industry. And, you know, with Colorado and Washington leading the way, I think that what we've seen is that that has been very helpful. Darren even did a PSA, I think, with the cannabis industry when he was there. Um, in, my, in my experience with the cannabis uh, industry, they're keenly aware that they have to get the impaired driving piece right and the underage consumption piece right um, if they want to continue to um, successfully legalize the mm -hmm. recreational use of cannabis. Um, so I think at least in the last year and a half or two, um, they've, they've been very active at wanting to get strong messages and, and policy um, on these two areas really solid. So. So by partnering with them, it's obviously they, they can echo the messaging through their outlets because it's in their interest. And on the policy where maybe traditionally, especially if you compare it, like you said, you know, a decade or so ago working with the alcohol industry, where maybe they would not be as aggressively supportive of some policy initiatives on the safety side. The idea is to get the cannabis industry to be equally supportive and aggressive on the transportation safety piece of driving while under the influence of cannabis, as opposed to them thinking it's a threat to their marketplace. Right. And, you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't point out that the alcohol industry has been, at least the, the distilled spirits companies that fund responsibility.org have been very, very bold um, in the last 20 years since I have been here. Um, they've supported things like 0.08 BAC, the, the advanced technology that's in the new uh, transportation bill. And they've really allowed us to dive deep into drug impaired driving and multiple substance impaired driving. Um, I think the cannabis industry has really paid attention to that and has seen, hey, this, this can be a really good thing. Let's not be scared of this. Mm -hmm. Let's embrace it. Mm -hmm. and, and so that's a good thing. Uh, the other thing I saw recently is that um, the verification efforts in the dispensaries have been quite strong, uh, almost like 98, 100% um, compliance. I think what I saw was out of Colorado. So, I mean, that's another thing is being well, able age, to age verification. Is that what you're? Yes. You're so, there? Yeah. Yeah. They're working really hard to make sure that there's that they don't sell to people who are underage. And that's going to be key. Um, you know, that's obviously with alcohol most kids are getting the alcohol they drink from social sources, family, friends, other trusted adults. Um, so that may be what we see with cannabis as well. I don't know, but at least, you know, we're starting to see some good headlines about um, compliance. Yeah. The, uh, and that's interesting about the age verification piece, because of course our primary members in the motor vehicle community, of course, being the issues of driver's license and ID cards have long been in the conversation around the, fighting the use of fraudulent identification for years for purchasing alcohol and access and things like that. And here it is again. 
right? You know, people that will be seeking out the old school fake ID to be able to buy something they don't uh, have the authority to buy. So it's great to hear that the industry is taking seriously that vetting and verifying process. Uh, yeah, I think they have. And in fact, um, I have really appreciated this year the um, assistance from Mike McCaskill and from Brian Ursino as I've been trying to better understand the difference between license verification versus license authentication. Um, and I know what a big yeah. role AMBA, AMBA plays in that. And so um, that has been something I've been learning uh, quite a bit about in the last uh, couple of months as we've been working on just um, trying to make sure that alcohol delivery is done in a really safe way. Yeah. So I can't say enough about um, both of them and the and the help that they've given us as we've started to understand, you know, what the difference is, because that authentication piece is one that, you know, has, I think, maybe it's not new to AMVA, but it's certainly new to a lot of people in our world. So yes, yeah. Well, and so I will, I will thank you on their behalf for the shout outs. I know they'll, they'll appreciate that. Um, but you're absolutely right. Understanding the difference between authentication versus verification. It's, it's a big one. We've talked about it for many years, but you're right. It's not as, as mainstream. But, but we, we digress into our, to our driver license, uh, wonderful weeds, which we love. But there was another key recommendation that, that's in the study um, around funding. Yes. So talk to us about that, about the importance of making sure that if you're having these campaigns and you're having these efforts, that you're really building a sustainable, dedicated source of funding. Well, I think that's a piece that we have um, been able to be supportive of, not just in this report, but also at the federal level as, as bills have been introduced to legalize or decriminalize um, cannabis. It's going to be really important to dedicate some of the funding that the states get and put it into um, highway safety programs. And in other you know, public health programs, because there's gonna to need to be research on the effects of um, cannabis impaired driving and cannabis consumption under age. And there needs to be um, public awareness campaigns of this nature. And you know, that's, that's just not something that the states always have the ability to fund. So again, taking a lesson from the states, I always mm -hmm. say that the states really are the ones that come up with the most innovative ideas. And sure. there's a lot to learn at the state level. And one of the things that we've seen, especially with regard to impaired driving, is Washington and Colorado um, quickly learned that they were going to have to really find money to, to um, accomplish safe messaging, expanded drug testing. There's just a host of things that come with cannabis legalization, um, it may increase a lot of state tax revenues, but it's also going to increase a lot of costs in the system. And we need to make sure that we count for that. Mm -hmm. right. So what else have we covered about the report that maybe uh, you'd, want, you'd want to highlight that people might find useful? Um, I, think, I think we've covered a lot of it. Yeah. Um, but knowing your audience, I think, is really important and making sure you're, you're getting the right content across. Um, that comes with also making sure that you find the right messengers, the trusted advisor mm, yeah. that can serve as the messengers. Um, and using diverse and non-traditional messengers can also really help improve the, the way the messages are perceived. Have you um, ever seen any particularly good, interesting, out-of-the-box examples of that? Um, you know, I, 
I hate to I hate to say it, but I always look at Colorado and some of the things that they've done. They've always been um, just so innovative, and it, it might just be because that's where it started. It started, sure. Mm-hmm. But yeah. um, you know, and 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 really finding where cannabis consumers are. So doing that deep dive into what's not just what's the right message, but what's the right channel. Um, where are they getting their messages and making sure that you're getting them from the right place. So, Right. Not everybody's just listening to the radio anymore, you know, <laughs> driving down the street. So you got to get creative about where, where this stuff is appearing. Right. Is it TikTok? Is it <sighs> Snapchat? Is <sighs> it YouTube? Is it, you know, what is it? I can't keep up, but yeah, I'm not, the, I'm not the target market. <laughs> no, 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 no. You're not going to reach me on TikTok, nor nor do you need to with this message. But yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Um, if people want to dig, dig deeper into the report, where can they go and find it? It's on the GHSA um, website. So if you go to ghsa.org, um, right now I think it's on front and center on their website. But as time goes on, you can also find it under the, the issues tab, the drugged driving initiatives. Um, it should be there too. And, um, you know, we're just really proud of all the reports that we've been able to release with uh, GHSA. I think this is the fourth one that we've done um, on drug impaired driving. And, you know, sometimes people say, well, why are you getting so involved in drug impaired driving? And we've always said from the very beginning, because people don't have a cocktail on Monday and say, you know, I'm going to wait until Wednesday to have some cannabis. You know, it's all happening. Unfortunately, it's all happening simultaneously in, the, in many places. And so, you know, yeah. with multiple substance impaired driving, it's, it's important to message all of it. So yes. that's why the focus. And again, you know, to finish kind of a, the, one of the themes that you got at with the enforcement, which is, you know, impaired driving is impaired driving. So you can't, you can't look at one without looking at the other because doing any of it is going to put a lot of people's lives in danger. Well, that's right. And then, you know, what we've seen, uh, again, Washington, Colorado leading the way for us, um, they have both been able to put the money towards testing all their DUIs for alcohol and a full panel of drugs. Mm -hmm. And so that has been able to educate us that a large portion of people have multiple substances on board, sometimes just alcohol and cannabis, but often three to five substances that can include prescription drugs. And so, you know, when you know that, it's particularly alarming because once you're combining substances, the crash risk increases exponentially. And so that's what we're going to really need to be focusing on is, you know, it's, it's, it's handling it all at the same time. Drunk driving is still obviously a huge problem, Mm -hmm. um, but often, you know, it's, it's going to be, Whatever you're impaired by is it's it's it doesn't matter what the source of impairment is. If you're impaired, it's very dangerous. Well, Brandy, thanks for spending some time with us today to talk about the report and this uh, important topic. Uh, let us know when the next one comes out. Anything related to you know unsafe driving, impaired driving, dangers on the roadways is something we want to make sure our members uh, know about. And I would love to have you back in the future to talk about what I'm sure is already the next report that's underway. I would love to come back. Um, and, you know, Dar- if Darren will let me, I know he likes to be the one that talks to Amva um, as often as possible. So, but I am, I am extremely excited to be part of the Amva cast and look forward to being on again, Ian.
Excellent. Thanks. Well, thanks to Brandy. Thanks to all of you for listening this week. Thanks to our producers, Claire Jeffrey and Chelsea Hadwin. Until next week, everyone, stay well. Thank you for joining us for AmbaCast, hosted by Ian Grossman, produced by Claire Jeffrey and Chelsea Hadwin, music by Gibson Arthur. This episode was brought to you by Get Mobile ID by Get Group North America. Visit us at amvacast.podbean.com and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify.